Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. So good morning, everybody. I'm Stephen. I'm a compulsive overeater and food addict, um, and it's great to be with you this morning. I, uh, <laughs> because because um, life is what it is. I having a minor cardiac procedure on Tuesday, so I got a call last night saying I had to get a COVID test this morning at eight o'clock. So so I got up, raced across the city to Kaiser, got a test, and came back, and literally walked in my door at eight forty-five. So I'm I'm glad we have. Um, uh, not only tools of recovery, but some rituals that we go through at the beginning of the meetings so I can breathe. So, um, but I think that's, um, it's just typical, you know, we, we get to accept life as it is. And, and uh, while that getting that test was important, um, having the opportunity to be of service um, in our fellowship is, is, um, is something I wouldn't miss um, unless it was vital. So when I got the call last night, I thought, well, maybe I'll call and say, I can't make it to share this morning, but, but um, good luck or higher power or something um, made all those things possible. And now I get to sit and, and relax with all of you. So <clears throat> I'm glad that we talk about the tools of recovery because I think they're, uh, it's so simple, um, you know, not easy, but simple, the, the way our program is laid out for us. And at the last meeting I was at, <clears throat> we were reading from the OA literature and got to the part about, let's describe the person who is belligerent, who thinks that he, she, or they have this all figured out and and they know exactly what's going on. And, and um, I was feeling a little tingling as, as the, that got read and thinking, hmm. Um, and so my story is that I've been in the rooms of OA for about five years, um, and I have been working a program of OA for just over two years at this point. Um, I hung around in the beginning and um, listened, uh, as, as was mentioned in the introduction, I, I would listen to the literature, read the literature, and immediately have my yellow pen out editing all sorts of um, things that were uh, unjust and, and not inclusive, and, and plus just written in bad English needed to be corrected. And had lots of um, uh, better ideas about how things should work and et cetera. And while I was having all those good ideas and coming to meetings pretty much, uh, you know, three or four times a week, um, I managed to gain about 30 pounds, um, um, thanks to my participation in OA and my belligerence. Um, and so and then I got a little more serious about it, got a, got a sponsor besides me and started um, um, really thinking about what sponsorship meant and, and how it was an opportunity um, to trust somebody. Um, and I realized that when it came to food, um, I wasn't, I, I had never been able to trust myself because I would have a plan. I was like probably some of you on every diet imaginable, spent, spent lots of money. And <clears throat> at one point, a doctor asked me, um, um, have you lost any weight in the past? And I said, yes. And he said, how much? And I said, oh, probably about 3000 pounds, you know, up and down and up and down for, for a lot of decades. Um, and, and so... <clears throat> What I, what, what I found out was that I couldn't trust myself because I would make a, a diet or, or pay for a diet or join one of those programs um, and then do my version of it. It was always my version of whatever it was that was going on. Um, and so, and my version always seemed to make more sense, um, never mind what was going on in the scale. And so I finally got a sponsor in, in OA um, and the sponsor helped me to understand with a couple of, of slogans or really good sentences that, that I hadn't thought about or heard before. One was, 
Um, it doesn't matter um, what the number is on the scale. It matters what you're carrying around, what you're carrying around on your shoulders. Um, uh, and the other one was that was really helpful, even more so, is it doesn't matter. It's not what you're eating, it's what's eating you. Um, and until I was willing to deal with those, those things, um, none of the rest of it was really going to make any sense. And so then the other tool that, that I really appreciate is the tool of anonymity. And, and you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, we think of it just as we don't, we don't uh, cross talk or gossip about each other outside meetings. Um, but it really, I think, has the biggest gift for me in anonymity was the fact that because I hadn't been able to trust myself about my food decisions or my food motivations or my food fiction that I regularly wrote about what I actually, you know, I had nothing but kale today and somehow gained two pounds. So, um, you know, I was, <laughs> I was, I was a good um, author of food fiction. And so with anonymity, I got to try telling the truth. You know, I had a food plan for today. My food plan did not include two bagels with butter, um, but somehow they got eaten. Not, not today so far, but, but in the past. Um, but I got to say it. I got to tell my truth. And, and nobody um, told me to get off out of the rooms in those days or off the Zoom in these days. Um, nobody came on the next one and said, well, that's obviously not a, an OA-approved food plan. Nobody said anything um, except sometimes the gentle... Um, a gentle note in the chat section to keep coming back or keep, you know, you're here today, that's the important thing or, or whatever it was. And so that anonymity allows us when we're learning, when, for me, when I was learning to tell the truth, when I was learning um, to trust a sponsor and to trust the rest of you in these rooms, it was like, oh, well, if I can trust you and people who, who look really good and who I maybe used to know when it looked a little, still good, but bigger, um, and now um, you're looking healthy and shiny and smiling and, and like, what a great thing that is. So if I can learn to trust you and that you're trusting me, then maybe I can trust myself. Um, and over time that moved on to, um, to sort of self-love and self-compassion as well, that, that it's okay um, to take care of myself first. And so um, that the other tool that makes a lot of sense to me is the action plan. Um, and the action plan is you know, a plan of eating is really important because, you know, the most important thing for me is not to take that first compulsive light because then the whole, um, the day is off and I don't know about any of you, but if I take a whole compulsive bite on a, on a the first compulsive bite on a Tuesday or Wednesday, um, it only makes sense to restart the program on Monday. <laughs> Never mind, forget about Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's like, it has to be logical. And maybe even the first of the month would be better because that's a date I could remember. Um, and so, so a food plan is important in a given, but the action plan, I didn't do for a long time because um, I thought, well, what actions um, do I need to take? And maybe they're talking about an exercise program and, and you know, whatever. Um, but I think action um, can be a lot of things, taking a look at my life and really taking some steps um, 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 to, uh, to see to see what it is I can do besides um, uh, getting rid of the food noise in my head and the cravings for food you know, turning down the volume on all that. And one of the ways I thought to do that is that I work with um, so, so my sponsor and some sponsees. Um, and, and the action that we take is we're doing some grief work. Um, and, um, you know, grief is what normal people experience when um, somebody or something that they, that they really care about um, dies or disappears or changes or goes away. And so I didn't think about grief um, when it came to food. 
But what I do know is that for many decades in my life, um, food was there. Um, when I was traumatized as a, as a kid um, and abused, when I was dealing with being a little gay boy in Detroit in the 1950s and 60s and 70s, um, when all of my family didn't accept that or understand it, when all of the stuff in my life happened, food was always there. You know, and, and even inside the family, um, our reward for getting good grades um, was pizza. Um, our reward for um, going to, uh, we as raised a Catholic and, and um, our reward for going to um, a certain number of, of communions on Fridays was uh, a Friday morning ritual of coffee, of, of hot chocolate and donuts. So anything good we did was rewarded with food. Um, and anything bad we, we did was go to bed without dinner. So food became all tied up in, in soothing and healing and, and, and those kind of things. Um, and so, <clears throat> so it was really important to me when I got to the point of thinking about, okay, so, um, you know, it's not like in, I'm in another program where you just, you know, theoretically just don't drink, right? So that's easy. Um, but in this program, you do have to eat something. Um, and a wise, wonderful woman in one of these meetings said to me, well, um, do, you, do you drink coffee? And I said, sure. And she said, do you drink water? And I said, yeah. She said, so you just don't drink the stuff that will kill you. And I said, right. And she said, so to, to take that over to this program and think about, do you eat food that's nutritious? Yeah, and, and um, she said, so then just don't eat the stuff that will kill you. And I said, what's that? And she said, well, according to your list, it's pizza, ice cream, and bagels. And I said, okay, and she said, start there. And so it's like, okay, I'm willing to start there and that's a food plan, but you know what? Those are the things when I have a horrible day at work, you know, I don't do drugs or drink, um, and then, you know, so it was, the food was the comfort and not just the eating of the pizza, but if I was having a really awful day with work-related stuff or whatever, um, it'd be like starting at about 11 o'clock in the morning, the thought of having pizza on the way home from work um, was comforting throughout the day. Um, you know, as we all know now, that's because the dopamine starts to be released as soon as you think about that favorite, um, that favorite thing. I'm sorry, I'm probably not supposed to mention specific foods, but whatever the food is, um, um, uh, the, you know, that, that started to happen. So I started thinking about doing this work around grief and started working with folks. And, you know, it's, it's the idea that you've lost something that brought you comfort. You've lost something that you could depend on. Um, and, you know, part of it is that, that when we first find those things, um, there's a wonderful little book called The Smell of Rain on Dust by a guy named Martin Pretchell. It's not conference approval literature, but it's a beautiful book of sort of poetry and verse. Um, he's a Native American healer. And he said, when we first meet what we love, we could become poets for our longing. When we remove, when we remove from what we love, we become singers and weavers of elegant descriptions. And man, is that true for me when I, you know, Food, I could make up all these stories about the food. It's not really hurting me. I haven't gained that much weight. I can still control it. I could do this, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then when I finally gave it up, um, the stories became equally grand. It's like, oh, how will I ever survive? Um, what will I do, um, you know, I, I, at Christmas or Easter, or whatever the particular, you know, 4th of July? <laughs> how will I live through the 4th of July without all that stuff that we eat at the 4th of July. And I began to tell all these stories about how miserable I was gonna be on the 4th of July or next Christmas, um, when it was in fact, you know, March of the year. And so the thing about grief is you just say, you know what, those, those things were, were things you could rely on. 
And maybe at times it was an adaptation. It was the, the food was good for me in some emotional, spiritual, mental way even. Um, and then it wasn't, right? And then it wasn't. And it wasn't just because I got 110 pounds more than I weigh right now. It wasn't um, because it wasn't getting to the real deal. You know, the real deal of sitting down and saying, well, why, if you need to be soothed and healed and you're turning to the food, maybe the real thing, opportunity here is to figure out what you need to be healed and soothed from. And so go back and get honest with people about your trauma experience. Go back and get honest with people about how that's made you somebody um, who can't really tell the difference on some days between isolation and loneliness and something called solitude. You know, like we all, I have said many times, I enjoy my own company. Um, and sometimes I do, um, but sometimes that's just an excuse for not knowing how to really form um, honest, trusting connections with, with um, the rest of you and other people. And so the opportunity was to take a look at the stories and to go back and undo those stories. And then to say, hmm, okay, so the friend that was always there, the food, the thinking about food, um, and even after the food, of course, this shame and guilt spiral, which took up some more time, um, all of that um, aren't things that I need anymore, um, aren't things that I want in my life. Because if I get those things out of my life, I have time to come to meetings and connect with other people. I have time to be of service to somebody who's got, you know, a day less than I have. Um, I have time to, to sit with someone else and, and show up and be really honest um, and to allow them to tell their story in the way that makes sense for them um, that day and not have to be judgmental about it, just to be present and to say, you know, I'm here with you um, and I'm listening and, um, and, you know, that's the story that, that I want to have right now is a story of somebody whose um, first thought in the day is not food. First thought is being respected. Um, the first thought is not what a great relationship I have or had with food, but that food was a good friend. And it's changed now permanently forever, I hope. Um, and so I need to grieve that old friend. Um, and the way to grieve that old friend is to look at what that relationship was, a relationship of healing and soothing from things real and imagined. And so now I spend my time working with sponsors and, and folks like you, thank you, um, on what are those things that need to be healed and, and, uh, and soothed um, and really dealing with the issues rather than just the, the application of, the, of some special foods or the thought of food. So um, I think it's just wonderful that, that we get this chance to come together with these tools um, in these meetings um, through sponsorship and really just through being good friends with each other in the program um, and allowing each other to try our truth out. And, you know, I might say to you today, I will never eat this or that other food again. Um, and I have a planned meeting and somebody might be thinking in the back of his, her, or their mind, hmm, the road gets narrower. You think you're eating all that stuff, but that, that's just going to be for a little while. And as your metabolism changes, some of those good things are also going to go. And it's like, no, no. Um, but we get a chance to, to be there for each other and to smile gently and, and to hear me say, ah, oh, here's my plan for today and think, mm, okay, well, you know, you've, you've forgotten Stephen, but that was your plan last Thursday too. And how'd that work for you? Um, but we just get to keep evolving as human beings um, who care about ourselves and trust ourselves because we care about each other and trust each other. Um, that's five minutes left. And that's perfect timing because um, I think um, I'm actually finished. So, so I would just, again, thank you for letting me be here. Thank you for having a meeting um, on this particular day that focuses on the tools because I think we need our, our eating and our thinking about eating was very complicated. 
um, but it doesn't have to be. Um, we simply show up with a commitment each day to trust ourselves and love ourselves um, and to reach out because reaching out um, is, is allowing someone else to be of service, which is hugely important. Um, and, you know, um, even just by showing up at meetings, which is one of the tools, um, there's an old saying in recovery that I really appreciate, which is sometimes we come to a meeting because we have something to say. Sometimes we come because we have something to hear. And sometimes we come so there'd be a meeting for those other two people. Um, and so I think if, if we can just show up for each other, um, the, the, the struggle is, um, is much more easily uh, uh, one, one to put it in that word, um, and that we walk this path together towards um, good health, sanity, and great humor, because indeed we are not a glum lot. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>